Today is a most auspicious holiday. It is April 6th in the year of our Lord 2022, and it is Windows 3.1's 30th birthday. Happy 30th birthday to one of the best versions of Windows ever made. You know, I I may not be in the majority of, of human beings that hold that opinion, but I I truly like Windows 3.1. Well, to be honest, Windows 3.1.1, Windows for Work Groups, is, is, uh, is my preferred version. But still, Windows 3.1 is pretty fantastic. I, so I've got some thoughts uh, to share today, some stories. I want to talk a little bit about the uh, AARD code in Windows 3.1, that, that beautiful thing that caused all the, the lawsuits with Novell and whatnot. And uh, I just have some general things I'd like to talk about, kind of to wax nostalgic on the history of Windows 3.1 a little bit. Uh, but first, a little bit of quick housekeeping. Uh, we've got some events coming up. Some Lunduke Journal events are happening uh, during the month of April. And some of them are an awful lot of fun, and I wanted to make sure everyone here knew about them. Uh, the first is on Friday the 8th, so that's two days from today. At high noon Pacific time, we're starting a, uh, a BBS door game tournament. <laughs> yeah, so we're doing a, it's going to be a 30-day tournament. Uh, with uh, Legend of the Red Dragon and Trade Wars 2002. So if you've never, if you've never been involved in a BBS door game tournament, it's it's pretty simple. The games do not take very much time to play. You play them all over Telnet, uh, all in text mode. Uh, if you've never played Legend of the Red Dragon or Lord, it's kind of a, it's an old school. It's not really a hack and slash. It's definitely not a rogue like game. <laughs> <laughs> but it's uh, it's an RPG. It's just very light, very simple. You go fight some monsters in the forest, and you level up your character, and you, you try and woo the 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 barmaids, and then you fight some other players, and you upgrade your armor, that sort of thing. Uh, and then uh, Trade Wars 2002 is you have a spaceship, you fly around, you trade some things, and you fight other spaceships, and you. You blow up Romulans, and and yeah, you, you can have your own planet with your own starbase, and you know it, all sorts of good stuff. So the two games will be going on. Uh, they don't take very much time during the day to play. You're more everyone's welcome to join. Uh, there's no cost to join, obviously. It's all happening at the House of Lunduke BBS, which you can telnet into on port 23 of bbs.lunduke.com. Uh, I'll put a link uh, wherever I can to to kind of direct people to an article over on uh, lunduke.substack.com that talks about how to connect to it and how to create an account and all that. Um, obviously, if you have a subscription to Lunduke Journal, you can get 24-7 access to the BBS, uh, but everyone else gets a full half hour to, to play the games every day uh, for free anyway, and that's plenty of time to, to make your turn. So if you want to join in, there's no no rewards, there's no prizes, you don't get a, like a brand new Lamborghini for winning the Legend of the Red Dragon tournament or anything like that, but uh, it's just, you know, bragging rights, uh, I'll, uh, I'll make a blog post about, <laughs> I don't know, I'll, I'll tell people about your victory, you will be celebrated if you are victorious, the, the top three players in each game after one month, we'll, uh, we'll be high-fived virtually, and we will just have a lot of fun. It's just to goof off and, and have a good time. Uh, later on in April, uh, we are doing Linux Sucks 2022. Uh, it is happening on Friday, April 23rd at high noon Pacific time. Uh, this one is 
only four subscribers to the Lunduke Journal, either on lunduke.locals.com or lunduke.substack.com. Um, it just it's a premium thing that we're doing. Uh, so if you wanna if you wanna watch that show live with all of us, uh, you wanna become a subscriber before that point. Um, it's super cheap right now. In fact, it's actually getting cheaper. It got cheaper <laughs> in the last 24 hours. Uh, so we started this thing called uh, the founding members subscription, where uh, people who you know have a few extra bucks in their pocket can chip in some extra bucks that help to bring down the total cost of the Lunduke Journal subscriptions because inflation sucks and it would be nice to be able to make subscriptions to the Lunduke Journal as cheap as humanly possible for everyone because we have to pay $80 billion for gas anyway. Um, so it would be nice if we could get subscriptions to things like the Lunduke Journal without having to, you know, pay an arm and a leg. Uh, so we actually dropped it down by, I think a buck 50, uh, today. And, uh, as more founding member subscriptions come in, uh, uh, well, we might even be able to bring it down even further. So right now it's so cheap that if you get an annual subscription, it's like a dollar, what is it? A dollar 20 or dollar 13. I think it's a dollar 13 per, per month, something like that. Um, if you do it over at lunduke.substack.com, uh, anyway, so, so grab a subscription. So you have it. Um, and then you'll be able to watch with everyone else uh, when we when we when we debut Linux Sucks 2022, uh, and it will be available afterwards, recorded for everyone who's a subscriber. It will not be made available anytime soon, um, you know, broadly on YouTube or anything like that. It's just going to be a just a special thing for all the subscribers. Um, and then later on in the month, we're on April 25th. Uh, not on, no, Sorry, not on April 25th, the week of April 25th. We're going to have a uh, founding member hangout. So everyone who's a founding member subscriber, uh, we're going to have kind of a, a little video hangout chat where we all hang out together and talk about life and the meaning of the universe and love and Unix, <laughs> whatever we feel like talking about. Anyway, so those are the events that are coming up. Uh, so if you if you haven't gotten your subscription yet, go over and grab it uh, because you want to do that. All right, uh, so let's talk about Windows 3.1 a little bit. So it's April 6th, 1992, and that is that is the official launch day of, of Windows 3.1. And I feel like, and this is just kind of my personal feelings on the matter, but I feel like Windows 3.1, that, that whole series, 3.1 and 3.1, just doesn't get the love it deserves nowadays because it, it gets slogged a lot for being, quote, just a little shell on top of DOS, which is ridiculous. I mean, it's ridiculous. Uh, I, I don't think people realize the absolute power that Windows 3.1 actually had in it. It was a full multitasking system. It was powerful. It had powerful APIs. It had full multitasking. It was... It, it, it introduced an awful lot of stuff. It was a very powerful system. Actually, and this is just a, a weird thing to think about, but all versions of Windows were fully multitasking systems, including all the way back to Windows 1.0, which was god-awful. I mean, Windows 1.0 was hideous looking, difficult to use, and just annoying. Like, I, I just, I, I hate Windows 1.0 so much. It is just a terrible terrible system and windows 2.0 to be to be quite honest with you is it's better than 1.0 but it's not great 
and then and then you kind of can almost just disregard 1.0 and 2.0 because they're just garbage. But but here's the thing. They did have full real multitasking. You know, I mean it was cooperative, but whatever. It was full multitasking. It was a it was a multitasking system to call even those systems, which again, Windows 1.0, hot garbage. But to call it just a shell on top of DOS really doesn't do credit to what it provided. That'd be like saying, you know, uh, the Macintosh system software 7 was just a shell on top of the Mac firmware. Like, well, yeah. <laughs> sure, it sat on top of the, the Mac firmware of the Macintosh ROM, but um, it kind of provided a ton. It provided multitasking and it provided massive amounts of APIs and this cool windowing system and all this stuff. It was an operating system in its own right. That's the same is true for Windows. You kind of almost, yes, it sat on top of DOS, but but just because something sits on top of DOS does not make it not crazy powerful. A good example, a good example is DeskView X. And there's an article up on the London Journal about DeskView X because it's, it is an absolutely amazing system. It's an X window system, full multitasking X window system, that sits on top of DOS. And inside Desk View X, you can have multitasking DOS windows open, multitasking X applications, like X11, Xorg, X386, those type of things. X applications ported over and recompiled and running under it. Um, you can use it as, um, as, a, as, a, as a client server relationship. So you can actually uh, be running visually Linux and Unix applications from X running on an on a Linux and Unix system somewhere and be interacting with them on your quote DOS machine. Plus, you can run Windows 3.1 inside of a window at the same time as all of that. Now that system, the power of DeskView X is insane. But does it just sit on top of DOS? Yes, technically. So, so people make would make. Are you gonna make fun of it because it's not? It's not an operating system. It's just an application on top of DOS. No, no, no. It's massively powerful. Just because it has a requirement that is DOS doesn't mean it's just an application on top of DOS. I mean, you know what I'm saying. Anyway, so Windows 3.1 in my mind gets slogged a lot for being just an application on top. It's not just an application on top of DOS. It's a full windowing system with massive amounts of with of features, a huge API set, multitasking, all of that stuff. And it's it's a darn impressive system. And what what really blows me away to this day about Windows 3.1 and uh and I guess to a lesser extent 3.0, though I never really loved Windows 3.0. It was it was lacking a lot of things. But Windows 3.0 did introduce a lot of the UI paradigms that would that would later be polished in Windows 3.1. Anyway, but the thing is, Windows 3.1 is very usable right now in an incredibly small amount of memory and and CPU usage and drive space usage. I mean, it's it's just an incredibly efficient little system. Um, I mean, realistically. If you port the software that you regularly use to Windows 3.1, uh, you could get your daily work done. It has internet connectivity on it uh, through a couple of different TCP SOC implementations. Um, 
I mean, heck, you've got full Microsoft Office with PowerPoints and Excel and Microsoft Word. Um, you've got Photoshop, Adobe Photoshop. You can throw Photoshop on there, and, and it runs fast. It runs crazy fast. And what's really nice about all that is you can put all of that in an incredibly small amount of drive space and emulate it almost anywhere. So, like, I have a Windows 3.1 installation with a ton of software, Office software and Photoshop and all sorts of other things, net, web browsers that I bring around with me on all of my mobile devices. So every, every, every phone or tablet I have, I have some form of a DOS emulator on there, uh, usually a variation on DOSBox. Um, IDOS for iOS, uh, for the iPhone, and uh, 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 DOSBox DOS Box Magic um, over, on, uh, over on Android. Uh, there's a couple other emulators that work pretty well, too. And it, its speed is fantastic on these portable devices. And I, I found it's, it's very usable to use Windows 3.1, at least most applications and games, on handheld devices. Which means I can then have the exact same working environment on my all of my phones, all of my tablets, my laptops, my my desktops, everything, everything. And sure, it's just Windows 3.1, but I mean, come on. I mean, if you've got you know a little working environment with a good uh, a good bitmap uh, graphics program, uh, you know. A, Good word processor and spreadsheets, after dark screensavers. Come on, man. You get those flying toasters flying around. I I have on my iPhone flying toasters. Do you have flying toasters? I mean, let, let's be let's be honest. If we're really gonna talk about what makes an Android or iPhone or any other phone cool, flying toasters is up there. <laughs> Right. It's just like there's certain things that that were cool then in the 90s and are still cool now. Uh, I've got uh, I've got uh, uh, Indiana Jones desktop adventures on here. A couple other various random games. Um, Civilization 2. Oh, man. Civilization 2. Uh, most people think about that running under Windows 95. But it the very first box release of that is fully compatible with Windows 3.1. It's a Win 16 application, which means I've got Win I've got Civilization 2, the full version with the map editors and all of it running everywhere I can run DOSBox because of Windows 3.1. That's amazing. That's so cool. And that's all the legacy of Windows 3.1. I mean, I the development of Windows 3.1 was before my time when I worked at Microsoft, right? I mean, I I didn't come to Microsoft until NT5 and Windows <coughs> Millennium Edition was being developed. <laughs> well, that's not exactly true. I came I came at the after Windows 98 came out. Uh, I started working at Microsoft. And so I actually, for a while, the team I was on um, was working on components that went into both Windows Millennium Edition and Windows NT5, which later became renamed Windows 2000. And what's crazy about that is, is that means for a very short period of time, I got to work on Windows Millennium Edition, which many people consider to be the worst version of Windows ever. Uh, which, it, I mean, it's not as bad as version 1 and 2, but it, it, it Millennium Edition was real bad. And Windows 2000, which a lot of people consider to be kind of the high point of Windows, right? Because you had 
um, the the look and feel of Windows 95. I know NT4 had that as well, but you have the look and feel of Windows 95. You had it extremely polished. The performance was good. The stability was good. The availability of software was good. Um, you had a, a surprising amount of compatibility with um, like DirectX and like video games and OpenGL video games of the day running under Windows 2000. So Windows 2000 was an amazing for Windows operating system. It was kind of a high point. And Windows Millennium Edition was kind of a low point. And I worked on both at roughly the same time. And the, not not exactly, but really close. And, uh, oh man, yeah, so I, I got to do both of that. But Windows 3.1 was, you know, before my time. And uh, uh, I remember uh, during my, oh gosh, when I was working on the Windows Media Player team, I was working on the, the a team uh, in, inside Microsoft that was bringing Windows Media Player to Solaris, uh, Classic Macintosh, and uh, Windows CE. So that, that was kind of our purview. And I had a dedicated PC. So I, I had my desk set up. I had a Mac that I, that I tested the Mac builds out on. And I had my, my administrative PC, which, uh, you know, was running, a, I think it was running Windows 2000. It was my admin box with all my email and my bug tracking software. Um, by the way, the bug tracking software for most of this period of time at Microsoft was an internally developed thing called RAID because it kills bugs. Um, but anyway, that was kind of that thing. And then I had I had this other box that was sitting off to the side that I scavenged from uh, one of the labs uh, in the building. And it was just this older PC that just hadn't been junked yet because Microsoft was notorious about just tossing out old things. Uh, old computers just got recycled. They got sent to PC recycle and and uh, and there's a place shop called Vetco down the road. And there's all these different shops where they would take all these old Microsoft you know, machines and repurpose them and sell them or scavenge them for parts or just, or just recycle them. And, um, but I managed to get this one old machine and I want to say it was a 486, uh, was it a DX4100? I think so. I want to say it was the really high end 486. Uh, it was, it was faster than the 486 that I'd had at home. Cause I remember the 486 I had at home was a DX266 a 66 megahertz machine. And I think this was the the 100 megahertz machine was the one I had uh, uh, there at Microsoft. I want to say it was a Dell Tower, but yeah, it was, I think it was a Dell Tower. And uh, I had on that one uh, MS-DOS 622 and Windows 311 Windows for Workgroups. And I had it, I had it on the internal network because I had, I had the Ethernet, uh, you know, any 2000 card in there and had that working. And so I had Internet access with Internet Explorer and Netscape and all of it inside Windows 3.1. And uh, I got I got made fun of a lot for it. But every time people were in my office, which I shared with with two other guys, because, yeah. It was it was cramped quarters. Um, uh, anyway, but every every time one of the other people could come by to you know talk to me about something, and they they'd be in my office, they'd be they they'd kind of get lost in thought because they'd be like, hey hey uh, Lunduk, we're looking at this bug over here, and you know blah 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 blah, and then they'd see that I'd have flying toasters 
up and running. And they'd look at it and they're like, is that flying toasters? I'm like, yeah, it is. And then I'd bump the mouse and boop, that would go away. And what's there? My totally tricked out Windows 311 desktop. And they would just be like, what? And then we'd end up talking about that for 10 minutes. And then they'd forget what they were talking about and just walk away. It was the best mechanism for getting out of doing work. Uh, just having that machine there with flying toasters up and running. I tell you, it was the best. Anyway, so um, I, re- I really do like Windows 311. It, it, you know, it's, it's not like I'm not recording my show on it right now, obviously. Uh, I, I, most of, most of the, the work that I do ends up being all internet-y, which means, you know, I, I can't use Windows 311, even though, even though 3.1 has internet capabilities, there's no modern web browser that has a version of SSL that's up to date enough to hop on the internet with it. And really, in my opinion, that's the fault of friggin' SSL and everyone upgrading their SSL and not having them backwards compatible. Um, and I know, I know, I know, this is a, a road that I've gotten in trouble to going down before. Uh, but if, if all the websites are using HTTPS and, and sending all the HTTP traffic over SSL, get it all SSL encrypted, uh, it becomes a real problem because everybody keeps upgrading SSL every couple of years. And so web browsers more than a couple of years old just can't use the internet anymore. There just comes a point where it's just not viable to use 99 point into infinity of websites anymore. And to me, that's a major bummer. You, you lose out on something. You take these machines that they were extremely viable and you just, it, it feels like almost purposefully hobble them um, by not providing at least a, some sort of a fallback. Um, like just if, if, a, if a website could just use like as a fallback an older version of ssl if if an older browser is a tech that would be fantastic anyway i digress so i want to talk i want to talk briefly about some of the fun stuff in windows 3.1 history specifically i want to talk um about um the dr dos stuff Right, so digital research had a version of DOS. Actually, had many versions of DOS. Uh, several of them were fully multitasking DOSes, uh, almost like what you'd get if you combined MS DOS with QAMM and 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 all those sorts of things. Um, which, yeah, you could make DOS into a very nice multitasking system. And people who tended to run like BBS servers would do this regularly, they, where they'd run DOS and then they'd have, uh, you know, QEMM 386 and and quarter deck and all that running. And if you if you do it all right, you can have a system where you can run, you know, let's say four four individual server applications on one DOS box. It really it really does work. Uh, I gotta shift a little bit, and uh, it was surprisingly viable. Anyway, so DRDOS, Digital Research DOS, had, had their main DRDOS, you know, software. And it was essentially an MS-DOS compatible DOS system with some extra features and some memory management tools and whatnot. It was great. It was great. Um, if, I, if I had to rank the best versions of DOS, DRDOS wins hands down every day. Um, anyway, so Microsoft actually... <laughs> She got in some hot water because Windows 3.1 code was added into Windows 3.1 actually in multiple spots um, uh, called the AARD code. Uh, and AARD code was named after this guy. 
named Aaron Reynolds. His first first name is Aaron, so it starts with two A's, A-A-R. And then R-D. I don't know where the D comes from. I think probably just from the D in Reynolds. Anyway, he signed a lot of his work, A-A-R-D, all in caps. And he signed it that way. Now, I should mention that Aaron Reynolds is no longer with us. He was a developer at Microsoft. He died back in 2008. Um, uh, uh, may he rest in peace. Um, but uh, we're talking about, and I'm sure he did a lot of things in his career, but this is what we remember him for, is the code he added in to Windows 3.1. And what it did, what it did, um, let me see if I've got some of the details here. What it did was it actually... Um, made it so it would check what type of DOS you were running, and then you would display an error message. Um, um, I'm going to see if I can pull this up here so I can read the error message to you exactly. Um, here we go. In, if you run, let's say, the Windows Setup program, it would show this red error message, you know, all, all in ASCII and ANSI text, of course. Non-fatal error detected error uh, number 4D53, and when I say number 4D, I, that's the little little pound sign there, which everyone calls a hashtag now, which bugs the snot out of me. Um, please contact Windows 3.1 support. Actually, it says Windows 3.1 beta support because they they removed this, uh, they disabled this this particular check with the final release because it was discovered in the beta and then they disabled it in the final release more on that in a moment and it says press error er, er, uh, enter to continue so they also added that into the windows application itself uh the executable and a few other places and the whole point was to make it so that if windows noticed that it was specifically running on dr dos that it would try and scare the end user because it didn't make it so you couldn't run it, but it made it feel like you couldn't run it. It made you think, oh gosh, that's a red error message. I better contact support. So then they contact Windows support and they're like, oh yeah, that sounds like a very troubling error. Mm, what version of DOS? You- You're not running MS-DOS. Well, that's what we test with here and we know it works great with that. Anything else like DR-DOS, mm, who knows with that? There might be drag dragons and trolls in there, right? And so that was the whole idea. They got caught on, called out on it, uh, and they disabled that code. However, uh, even though that code was not specifically called, they didn't take it out. <laughs> so the idea is that they could later on easily reactivate that system to do that check. And all that what you would have to do to reactivate it was change a single byte in the installed system. That's it. That's it. There was just one byte that had to get changed. And if you change that byte, boom, that comes back and the error messages just come back all the time. You constantly get these red error messages, or at least every now and then you get the red error message if you run the right program. Be like, oh my gosh, it's a non-fatal error. And it says non-fatal, all in red, all in... (laughs) Jeez, like it, it's the most fatal looking non-fatal error of all time. So, uh, DR-DOS, then um, uh, the, uh, actually, 
uh, updated a version of DRDoS. So Digital Research released a patch named Business Update in 92 to enable the ARD death test to pass on its operating system even if they were enabled. So, okay. So that, that's what kind of ended up happening is everyone kind of just made it forced its way through. And of course, Windows 3.1 runs great on DRDoS. It just does. Now, here's the cool thing. A lot of this, a lot of things came out. Do you guys remember the antitrust case? The Microsoft antitrust case back in 1999. I was working at Microsoft at the time. And this was when Microsoft was being, you know, investigated by the the, the, the United States Department of Justice um, for violating antitrust laws and taking advantage of their monopoly operating system position by forcing and forcing uh, Internet Explorer to be installed, making it hard to remove Internet Explorer, that sort of thing. So uh, uh, these are memos. They call these memos, but they're just emails. So there were emails that were passed around inside Microsoft back during the Windows 3.1 release that talked about this. And it all came out during that antitrust trial because the government <laughs> released everything. Um, at one point, Microsoft CEO Bill Gates uh, sent an, it says a sent a memo to a number of employees. I'm reading the Wikipedia page, but it wasn't a memo. It was just, it was an email. Um, it said, quote, you never sent me a response on the question of what things an app would do that would make it run with MS-DOS and not run with DRDOS. Is there a feature they have that might get in our way? And then uh, Microsoft uh, VP of uh of windows brad silverberg uh sent another email stating uh hey what's the uh what's the user is supposed to do is feel uncomfortable and when he has bugs suspect that the problem is dr dos and then go out and buy ms dos that was the whole point right so if you're constantly seeing these error messages say oh 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 my gosh what is this what kind of dos is this this is probably dr dos right and then if other errors occur because it's windows 3.1 man like as good as it is boy was it buggy like there's so many errors cropped up and so people would just think it was dr dos getting the error this was just a way to get people to buy by uh by ms dos and uh and then after digital research sold dr dos and a bunch of other stuff off to novell dr dos was renamed to novell dos and then uh <laughs> then uh jim alchin microsoft co-president said this if you're going to kill someone, there isn't much reason to get all worked up about it and get angry. Any discussion beforehand are a waste of time. We need to smile at Novell while we pull the trigger. Um, and uh, specifically, they're thinking about DOS. They're like, you know what? We could quickly flip a bit. <laughs> on future installs or 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 we could flip that bit with uh with other software we install like say versions of office or whatnot and then boom windows 3.1 is going to be like oh you're not running ms dos are you non-fatal error yeah anyway uh they never did that but yeah i think it was discussed a lot that code still exists anyway uh then novell um changed hands again uh novell dos uh, Novell DOS got sold off to Caldera. And remember what happened with Caldera? Yeah, they sued everybody. <laughs> so Caldera versus Microsoft was specifically about AARD's code. Um, and again, <laughs> God rest his soul. Um, and uh, it was originally, it was settled 
um for let's see the, the it was originally believed that the settlement was around 150 million but it turns out it wasn't in 2009 the settlement agreement was released and the total was revealed to be 280 million dollars so that little piece of aard code in ms and uh, in windows 3.1 ended up costing microsoft 250 million dollars um of course then the, then the other question is is how much did it actually cost digital research right because i don't care if caldera gets money like Caldera just sues people and Novell like okay I worked I worked for them for four years because uh, I worked for Sousa and Sousa got purchased by Novell um, and so I worked for them for for four years and I don't care about them either in this case but digital research man that's Gary Kildall's company and we're talking about one of the most innovative and interesting uh, computers, operating system, and related tools companies that there ever was. Uh, the, the Again, the late, great Gary Kildall used to be the, the co-host of the Computer Chronicles with Stuart Chaffee. Anyway, Gary was the man. And uh, would that have changed the trajectory of digital research if, if that thing hadn't been done? If that AARD code had never existed to start with? If um, if, you know, things had, if my, the way Microsoft had handled themselves, um, I don't know, was a little less sleazy. I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, uh, worth <coughs> pondering on a little bit here and there because, well, Microsoft is a sleazy company. <laughs> I do like Windows 3.1, uh, but, uh, man, Bill Gates is, it's just such a weasel. It's just such an absolute weasel. Um, and so many of their upper level of executives over the years have been too. Uh, not all of them, not all of them. I mean, I, I, I'm, we could sit down at another time and talk about stories about some of the various executives at Microsoft, some of the VPs and whatnot, um, that are, that are great, that are just fantastic, right? They're just, they're just true blue nerds that want to do really nerdy things, right? Like there's some of those, some of those executives at Microsoft are, are really great, um, but man, some of them are just the biggest weasels there, there ever was. Um, they're just there ever, ever was anyway. Uh, but Windows 3.1, happy birthday, happy 30th birthday. Uh, I hope all of you get to celebrate Windows 3.1's 30th birthday. I don't know. Um, install Windows 3.1 in DOSBox or, or, uh, or change your desktop background to one of those classic Windows 3.1 backgrounds or, oh, Oh, go see if you can find um, like those old Office PowerPoint templates from, <clears throat> from back like Office version four uh, that have that distinctly Windows 3.1 look to them and, and slide those into like a slide deck for something at work. You know, do a little homage to Windows 3.1 this week. Give it, give it a little love because you, you only have your 30th birthday every so often. You might as well celebrate it up big. Even if the company that made you tried to do some really sleazy things a couple of times. <laughs> anyway, and everybody, I hope you're having a great time. Uh, once again, thank you to everyone who subscribes over at uh, the Lunduke Journal. Uh, so at... at uh, <laughs> at lunduke.locals.com, the Lunduke Journal community. I am punch drunk this evening. Man, I am... You ever have one of those days? Like from the from the moment I woke up today... 
Like, it wasn't a bad day at all. Like, some great stuff happened today. Like, it really did, you know? But it just it just seemed like all the little things went wrong in kind of a slow-motion train wreck. Like, I got up, and I was like, ah, oh, you know what? Let's have some breakfast. Oh, we're out of milk. Oh, we're out of eggs. Oh, man, I got to go to the grocery store. I'm like, you know what? We'll just snack for breakfast. And then uh, it turned out there really wasn't, an, uh, like, their good kind of breakfast food, right? Like, all our snack foods were, like, chips and fruit and stuff. And it, anyway, so then we were extra hungry come lunch. Then we're like, oh, what are we going to do for lunch? And <laughs> Just one thing after another. Anyway, it was one of those days. So now I'm just pooped, right? It's the end of the day. It's the end of the day. I wanted to sit down and talk about Windows 3.1. And then I am going to climb into bed with like a couple of cookies or something. And I'm going to watch some sort of really old TV show. I... I, 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 I'm thinking about uh, re-watching Star Trek The Next Generation again. It's been a while. They, uh, I just, it's, been, it's been too long, and I'm like, you know what? Someone was mentioned it the other day. I'm like, ah, it might be time. It might be time to just do it from, from episode one all the way through the, the, the ones at the end. and Just, just go nuts. Anyway, um, so I'm all punch drunk tonight. But thank you to everyone who subscribed to the Lunduke Journal community, uh, lunduke.locals.com or over at lunduke.substack.com, which is kind of the main Lunduke journal where everything gets published. Uh, thank you to all of you. Uh, obviously, if you don't yet, go do that. Get all of the books and all of the video games and all of the exclusive podcast episodes and, and videos. Heck, you can watch Linux Sucks in a, in a couple of weeks um, and, and all these other things. Uh, so you get a whole bunch for it. It's super duper cheap um, unless you want to pay more, in which case... Thank you. Um, but you don't have to because it's super it's super duper cheap. Go join up. Hang out with us. Uh, let's enjoy all of the good nerdy things that make us happy. And, uh, you know, now that I'm thinking about it, now that I'm thinking about it, maybe I really should buckle down because I've got some I've got some weird stories about about some past Microsoft executives. You know, you work you work at a place long enough and in enough departments and uh, you witness things. <laughs> I should think about that. I didn't think about that. I got a couple. I got a couple of stories uh, that came out of like the Office division and the Macintosh division and and the Windows Media division and and uh, MSNBC in the early days because MSNBC was their operations stuff was all out of my building for a while. Anyway, I got some. I got some weird stories. Uh, anyway, uh, I'm, I'll think about that. I'll think about that. If I do, they'll go up over at lenduk.substack.com, and then I'll probably ramble about them on the podcast. I uh, hope all of you are having a great time. I am gonna go watch some TV now, and I hope you get to do something truly enjoyable like that as well. And I'll see y'all tomorrow.